we should have a rule. I promise not to talk about Planet of the Apes if you promise not to talk about cycling. Is that okay? Ah, uh, really? That's hard. That's like punishing me. <laughs> <laughs> How far did you go on the bike today? Was it 75 miles? Oh, um, I don't know in miles, but it was almost 120 kilometers. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I would have said the same thing, but you know, I've been cycling a couple of years now and, and yeah, distances go farther and farther. Now this is like a big ride to me, 120, but like a couple of years ago or last year, actually, 100 kilometers was a long, very long ride and 80 kilometers all also sounded like long. Now 80 kilometers sounds almost like, I'm not going to say average, but not like a big ride. How long were you riding today? I left here after nine-ish, but we stopped like a couple of times. I should look at, at my Strava ride actually to see the exact hours that we have ridden. But we went back uh, around, I think, 3 p.m. A bit after 3 p.m. I was back. So it's like six hours that we were gone, but we've stopped like a couple of times, like for lunch, more than half an hour. Uh, sat a bit in the sunshine. <laughs> uh, it's four hours, 15 minutes. Here it says it's four hours, 15 minutes that we actually were riding our bikes. So You put me to shame. I ate a ham and cheese toasty. That was my exercise today. <laughs> But everybody's getting into cycling. I mean, obviously, our friend John Hicks, he's, he, and he looks amazing for it too. Yeah, yeah. I saw a photo. I, uh, I really need to do something. But I don't know. I've, I, I have no balance. I have no rhythm and I have no balance. I think that anybody that knows me knows about my motorcycling experience too. And I just fall off things. But I was actually also a very bad uh, cyclist. I mean, I ha my balance was really bad too. Uh, I can't like ride without hands on the steer, you know, like every kid does. Uh, I can't do that. So I do also mountain biking because of that to learn more balance and, and also to have, yeah, to gain a bit power in the legs as, as well. But the balance thing is something I've learned over the years. I was really, really bad at the beginning. It was like, uh, I would say kamikaze. <laughs> I <would> say <laughs> I'm I'm better on the skis than I'm on the bike. I've grown with skiing, you know. When I since I was like four years old, we went to the Alps like three times a year, nonstop, every Christmas, every Easter. <laughs> so I've never been skiing, but I think you were with me. Do you remember we went to Whistler for yeah. a conference one yeah. year? Yeah. And that was amazing there. It was, it was incredible. And I, I didn't ski, but I remember trying snowboarding for the first time. And that's, that's where I broke two ribs. Whoa, you did? Yeah, because I, did, I didn't know. <laughs> well, no, the, the funny thing was, was that I was, I, I was trying out snowboarding. And it was, um, we were just on the kind of the nursery slope, you know, the really gentle one that four year olds are supposed to be able to cope with. And. I got a little bit overconfident on the second day and oh. the snowboard <laughs> hit a bump and I fell on my face and heard this crack and thought to myself, please don't let that be my iPhone. And it wasn't, it was, it was actually two ribs, but I didn't realize oh, it. I didn't, I didn't realize until a couple of days later when, um, I was actually sitting in a restaurant in San Francisco with some friends and I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That so, must have hurt. Yeah. Well, it hurt like hell a couple of days later. So the, the I went to, uh, to the ER, um, and the guy basically at, at the, the emergency room said, oh, we can't do anything for you. Um, we can't, we don't even strap ribs up anymore. I'm just going to give you some Vicodin, painkiller. I felt like a gangster rapper. It was great. <laughs> so I came, yeah, I got on the plane home and I took two Vicodin and drank a large gin and slept for like 11 hours. It was, it was really ah, good. 
I missed that because the second day I was already very, very sick the first day. I remember I you were ill. I was so bad. I was, it was with a heavy headache that I skied from, uh, I went all the way up to Whistler and skied down. <laughs> it was funny because I was like taking, uh, the thing up, the cabin up, uh, the little, yeah, elevator thing. I don't know, ski elevator, how do you call it? Uh, and I went down and I didn't know the, I didn't know the way. I thought like, okay, this is just straight down. And then I had to ask directions or I was almost lost. I, I didn't realize how big it was there. It was, it split it like every few, uh, meters, a uh, hundred meters down. There was a split and I was like, oh shit, which direction should I go? I was almost lost there. <laughs> it's amazing. I've never been anywhere quite like it up there. And I'm not a, you know, an outdoor sports kind of guy. Um, but it, it was an amazing place to go. Yeah. So cycling, this has become one of the things that you're really known for over the last couple of years. I mean, I follow you on Instagram, so I see, you know, numerous photos from all of these rides. Um, how much of, how much of this is kind of a, a balance from, you know, sort of, uh, I don't want to, I hate to talk really about inspiration, but you know, how much of it is, kind of feeds what you do inside because it's it's yeah, become a big part of what you what you do it has definitely a very good influence on me because of the fact that well i do love sports i i missed it like before i was starting cycling i really missed doing some sport and because of our profession we always sit and we sit inside and i love being outside so cycling was like the perfect thing to do, uh, because I'm outside and you, you cycling creates like this state in your mind that you can empty your head. Like you, you, you just see the road and you, and you move your legs and, and you look around and you think of nothing related to work. You know, it's like you soak everything in the, the landscapes and, and, and yeah, every, the scenery and, it's because it empties your mind that you like relaxed and, and, and you feel energized because of the exercise you're doing. After a ride, you feel like, <laughs> except if it's like a really heavy ride, you can feel tired. But on the other hand, you feel like energized and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a, a mini holiday almost. Like you have a real break and it helps. Because sometimes if you think too hard on an idea, like you have to, for instance, create a logo and you think like, you sometimes, well, I tend to sometimes force myself to like, to come up with an idea. And if you do that, it often backfires. It's, it gets like, you get no idea and it goes even the other way around instead of an idea that for that get forms it it it's it you struggle and if you do like you take a break like cycling for example and you go back you have like this fresh mind and it's like yeah i feel like you, you start from scratch and sudden all of a sudden you get you just get ideas because of your do fresh you sit mind. down at your desk or have you gone for a standing desk in the office i sit down yeah because I know John. Standing, it's weird. I think, I think John has experimented with a standing desk. Yeah. Before. But standing is is, I don't know. It it feels like uh, more um, heavy for the legs, and I don't know. For me, it would be bad standing still for. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably okay because you go out and get exercise from being on the bike. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I have to confess that I don't really do very much and I don't really move that much. And it's, I did start to, I did start to train, um, back in the summer. <laughs> I had a trainer who I can't have anymore because she's ill, which is really sad. Um, but, uh, you know, this, I need to do something. I really need to do something. I think if it would have a standing desk, a desk that I would have like a training thing, a walking, how do you say, like this? Yeah, fitness. a treadmill. <laughs> yeah, no, some people do because that. Walking is for me less tiring than standing. I have like bad knees, like jogging is no option for me. We used to do that like a couple of years ago when it was too much like snowing and snowing and we couldn't go on the bike. And then we went to, uh, a park here nearby where you can uh, jog. They have like these 
wooden cut. Uh, they, they put like wooden uh, from the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so you jog. Like boards. Uh, it's like a board. Like, so, yeah. It's like, then, then it's, it's uh, less hard for a uh, jog on your for your legs and your knees, but still even that. And I was wearing like knee, uh, bandages, um, for, uh, support for the knees, extra. Uh, sorry. I'm sometimes looking for the right word. I no, don't know it's, the it's... right word. It's to support your knee if you're having like bad knees, but even that didn't help after a couple of, I don't know, two kilometers or even, even less. I, I got, it, it hurt it so yeah but standing phew, no <laughs> some people do <laughs> exactly that some people have a treadmill underneath their desk and they walk all day well that's if it works for them why not but i'm not sure it would feel weird i should have to try maybe an hour and then sit down i often i often go away from my desk though it's not that I, if i sit down like it's, I think maximum an hour. Then I go walk around, come back, <laughs> grab a coffee or something. I can't sit like for more than if I sit down for two hours straight. I think that's exceptional <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've worked with here for as long as I've known you, probably a long time before that as well. I think yeah. when did we first meet? It was 2005 oh. at media, I think. Oh yeah, first, yeah. I was going to say if you, if yeah, yeah. First time, I remember. I remember there's a photograph of you and me and here and uh, John Hicks standing outside the venue. I think I had a I had a cigarette in my hand as I always did back then. Um, but you know, you two, you know, you live together, you work together, you ride together. Yeah, it's a lot together. How, how, <laughs> how do you avoid killing each other most of the time? Because I'm, I'm sure my wife wants to murder me most of yeah, the time. Yeah, I don't. I think it's for, it's not for everybody to to live and work like that. I, I realize that it's uh, it's something you have to have a really strong connection with each other, and uh, you kind of learn to have like that. Each have their own space like we often in the in the office we often have our headphones on and listen to to music well we often listen to music <laughs> both together without the headphones too but if we want to have like our moments we usually do that that it's definitely a big challenge to do everything together but it's also like uh how you say um something to be uh grateful to that you can do that together it's it's not obvious, like, to, to, to be able to do that. How does it work? Do you do pretty much the same thing or do you have different roles in the business? I mean, I know with, with us, I have no idea about the finances or I shouldn't really say that on a business podcast, but I'm not very good with money at all. <laughs> so yeah. Sue takes care of all of that. And this, you know, this, the stuff that goes on, which, you know, I have no idea. Um, and yet, you know, she probably doesn't know all of the, uh, the day-to-day -day client interactions, for example. So it works very well. You know, we have our, we have the things that we do together and then we have the things that we kind of jointly responsible for. So is that how yeah, it works? It's a bit the same for us too. Here does more the finance and bookkeeping thing because he's more punctual than me and more organized. I do help him with that as well, but most of the things on that end is done by Heert and he's like really perfectionist in that, like very punctuous and organized. So that's, I'm really grateful he's, he has this quality. And then other things, technical things he also do, uh, more, um, like the computers and the network here in the office. It's all set up by him, the backup thing. Um, it used to be me that, knows more about Mac and <laughs> computers, but that was in the beginning that we got to know each other. I remember he comes over to me and says, like, show me how this works. And it was like, this is the mouse. And he <laughs> was really <laughs> coming from that far. But he does, so he does a lot of that part as well. 
And also if it's like for the websites, uh, FTP and te technical stuff, he's, he's better at, at these kind of things than I am. And for the creative things where we blend in actually. Sue is very good. She's, she's very fastidious uh, about detail, um, and has a very kind of clear head for organizing things. So for example, I'm off on a, off on a little trip this week. I'm going to, uh, go to a couple of conferences and speak this week. Um, and she's been dealing with all of the organizers, with all of the itinerary, you know, and even, even to the extent of the fact that, you know, my car parking is booked and all this kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes me doing what I do, um, yeah. okay, you know, cause I, I can concentrate on, you know, on what I do, yeah. you know, on the creative stuff and then, and everything else is just taken care of. And it's such a weight having somebody that kind of balances you that way. Yeah. Hirta's also good at that. If we have to go somewhere, he's more, uh, he jumps into every detail about the trip and, they have to book hotel and, and the traveling. Yeah. He deals better with that. It's not that I couldn't do it, but he's, he's very, uh, yeah. Like you say, organized. <laughs> he's way more organized than, than I am. Uh, I'm not so good at it. <laughs> I think, I think we must give off signals as well sometimes. Sometimes there's the kind of like, Oh, I can just sense that. And he's getting a little kind of stressed or oh, yeah. uh, anxious about something. So I'm going to leave him alone for, two, <laughs> for a couple of <laughs> yes, hours. Yeah, that's also true. You, you read everything very, uh, very easily from each other's face or just behavior. That's true. If you're together all, all the time, you, you easily see that if, if someone is, if he's irritated or, yeah, we, 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 we also deal a lot, uh, of the things together, like with humor. Humor is such a important factor. It's, yeah, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to live without that. It would be very hard if we, we wouldn't have uh, the humor part. Uh, we're like, uh, you know, joking and, and fooling around half of the day, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, I, th I yeah, think that I think that's that. important because you know we we concentrate so much on pleasing other people, you know, particularly as designers, um, especially, uh, you know, it's kind of it's almost like putting on a performance sometimes, you know, because you know it's not all just about uh, creating the work; it's you know presenting it and you know being confident with ideas and that kind of thing. And it's you've got there's a lot of um, a lot of pressure on us to kind of keep that up. Um, so if, if we can laugh about things along the way, then um, it makes it makes a big difference. I'd like to talk about some of your work, but uh, can we just talk about a sponsor for a moment? Um, have of you course. used Perch, the CMS? Yes, actually. Because yep. I know that for you used to be, maybe you still are, um, Expression engine fans. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while though since I have actually designed and coded and implemented a website, like all the from beginning to end with CMS and everything. And definitely with Expression Engine, uh, I have to think hard actually <laughs> which one was the last site. We've late, lately we've, we've had a lot of design work, purely design work. So, but I've used Perch for my last website design. I haven't put that in the portfolio yet. I think it's, has launched like, um, maybe a month ago now. Yeah. A month ago. It's a small website. And I thought like, I was immediately thinking of some light form CMS would be an ideal, uh, platform for that website. And so. Yeah, I heard about Perch and looked into it, and yeah, it's a nice solution. I talk about Perch a lot on the show because you know I understand that people you know, learning a new CMS it's 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 scary. Um, so you know if you're busy with client projects, uh, you probably find it even harder to get time to get familiar 
with using a new CMS because we're using Perch a lot more at the moment. And, you know, there's aspects that I'm kind of already know. And then there's other aspects, you know, particularly with some of the add-ons that I'm not familiar with. And, you know, just finding the time to go and, and learn that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard. So what Perch have done is that they've launched three online demonstration sites for the CMS. So you can get a better feel for whether Perch is the right CMS for the project that you're working on. So all you have to do is you just put your email address into the address it will give you and they send you a link to your own hosted demo. So you can see what it's like to use Perch without needing to build an entire site to try out, which is great. You just log into the admin area and play around, tweak all the content. So one of the sites is bare bones content editing. So it doesn't have too much styling applied. The second one that was designed by Laura Kalbag, who comes on the show sometimes, and that's more of a sort of a fully built out corporate site. And then the last one uses loads of the free add-ons that Perch has. So it shows a site that's got a blog and a member section and an events diary, which is something that we've just built with Perch. And that site was designed by Paddy Donnelly of Left, who I th- doesn't he live in Belgium? Ah, yeah, yeah, right. True. I yeah, I don't know where. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, in the province of Limburg somewhere, or is it Brabant? I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I <laughs> love It's work. not nearby where we live. It's, uh, he has sometimes, he's, he was in contact a lot with Tim Van Damme. I say it was because, yeah, he lives in the US uh, <laughs> now. But. So all of the demos are responsive and all of the code for the pages and the templates that they use, it's all on GitHub. So you can have a look and you can see for yourself how things are built. And they've put up a whole new video tutorial showing how the corporate demo site was built right from the beginning, from installing Perch right through to adding the blog and the forms. And uh, I follow the videos all the time. I mean, they're, they're just really, really great ways of learning. Perch has come a long way over the last few years. So the example sites are probably also a good way to see what's changed since the last time you had looked. And Drew and Rachel, they're adding new features to Perch all the time. Mm-hmm. All the content's available on GitHub. And, you know, I, I also like to, I like that having the add-ons available in the demo means that if a client wants to see how an add-on works, like the blog app or the events app, um, I don't need to install it. They can just see from the admin and experience how it works via the demo. So it's brilliant. I love Perch. It's my CMS of choice now. I mean, it's, I'll use it before I then look at something else. You know, it's my first, yeah. first choice. Um, yeah, I got a good experience with that too. And there wasn't like a big learning curve either. It was doable. You just look up in the do- documentary, the snippets that you need to use. And well, a couple of times I asked for help, but then it was like obvious in my face. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, well, I've posted a, a support request today about something because I can't get image resizing to work in one template, whereas it works in another template. I mean, I'm probably just being a donut. But um, their support is just incredible. Yeah. Just, so that's Perch. I highly recommend that you have a look through the demos at grabaperch.com slash unfinished and uh, see for yourself. So let's talk about work for a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> this was funny. I was looking uh, the other day because we, we've been doing some decorating in the house um, and we were looking for some artwork um, and I was just sitting here with a cup of coffee one day. Um, and, you know, we, we go to France a lot. We, we love France. So I Googled, um, I can't remember what it was now, French posters or France posters or something like that. And your Tour de France posters. <laughs> You're kidding me. On Fab know. came up in the Google result. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It was, don't talk about cycling. And um, what was the search term? <laughs> like French po- posters? Oh, France I can't remember. France oh, posters anyway. or something Doesn't like matter. that. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember what it was. But I, it, I just thought that was just uh, serendipity. But it was a short sale. Yeah. I had like requests after it was uh, gone from the fab uh, shop. 
people, they're still for sale. I said, no, <laughs> they might be like, yeah, we might do it again. So I, I think people really love artwork like that. We've just bought, I didn't buy you Tour de France and get them, but I bought two of Brendan Dawes' cinema redux prints which are now hanging up in, in our living room. And, ah, oh, they look amazing. And I've just ordered, um, I backed Cameron Moll's Kickstarter. <laughs> so you're like me, you're hanging work from other artists on the wall. People always say, I don't see your work on your wall. It's like, it's, I feel awkward <laughs> to have my own work on the wall somehow. I don't know. Something I look at all day. I haven't done, I haven't done enough or in fact I haven't done any of my own stuff for longer than I can remember. And every break that we take, whether it's a holiday or Christmas vacation or something yeah. like that, I think, right, I'm actually going to do some of my own artwork and. And it never happens. No, it never happens. I'm always asleep. You probably want to, oh, <laughs> you probably just want to do nothing like related to to work because in a way it's, it's, it's a hobby, but it's still your work. So you want to put your mind off that kind of thing. I think thing it's changed yeah. for me over the years because it was a hobby that I made money from for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think over the last few years, as, as I've kind of concentrated more, um, on it from a career or from a business point of view, um, it's less the thing that I enjoy doing for myself now. Um, and that's sad, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, there used to be nothing. I, I bought, I was in, um, I did a lot of work in Geneva uh, this year. And one of the things that I did was I bought some, a, a beautiful set of Caran um water-soluble pencils. Yeah. And these things are expensive. It's like, you know, it was like 150 euros for, for this box. Um, and... This, they're still, they've, they've still got their, their plastic wrap. I haven't touched them in four <laughs> months. It's, it's maybe like a feeling of the, like you have, like with the blank paper, like trouble. <laughs> well, maybe. It's new. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but you've been doing a lot of work for Fab. Yeah. Um, over the last couple of years, you did their logo and the website and did you do the iPad app as well? Yes, yes. Was that purely that, the design or was there any the development? design, yeah. No, just the design. And even that was in, in uh, collaboration with the UX team because there's also a UX team working on the iPhone and iPad app as well and the website. So they do like pre-preparing mock-up uh, um, wireframes kind of, mm. uh, how do you say? Yeah. Yeah, wireframes. Yeah. And then, well, they're pretty basic still, so I have, like, freedom to play around and move around if I'm... How do you handle these longer-term ongoing contracts? Do you do you try and scope out the whole project, or do you work on retainer? How does it work for you? Yeah, I have, like, uh, an hourly fee. And, well, lately I have, like, a monthly fee, actually. So I have a contract with them that they hire me per month. Uh, so it's like a, like a, a full-time income, actually. So it's really, they, they can, uh, they're like my first client that, uh, gives most of the work, actually. Um, do you work on other things at the same so, time or is it just on, just on that project? I work on other things too, but it's more like projects that don't have a timing or, or a specific timing. They do have a timing, but it's like not, they're still flexible. Like, uh, the, the, the team design that I did for the WordPress team design that I did for the team foundry was such project. So they hired me to design a team for WordPress, but there wasn't like an exact deadline so I, I could take the time that I need so I work usually on these kind of projects and I have also like or regular clients that uh, ask uh, for work but that's like not 
They're like small things like an email a newsletter that needs to be designed or some changes, updates to a website, uh, stuff like that. Small, small things actually. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I'm working on a WordPress team right now also. Uh, yeah, and there's actually for Smashing Magazine, I'm doing work for them as well. You did the starting. You did the book cover for the for the book that I wrote the chapter for. Number yeah. three, which is really nice. Number three. Yeah. But in, in terms of retainers, because I've never, I've never worked under a retainer. I know some people do, and I'm, not, I'm really not sure how they work. I mean, is it that you get paid a certain amount per month on a retainer, and you either spend that time or they spend that money, or if you don't work for them, you keep the money and do no work? I've, I'm always confused by retainers. It's like that, actually. I have like a fixed amount. So sometimes the amount, uh, the month is like <laughs> the month. The month is like uh, very uh, filled with fab only work, and I'm I'm spending actually more hours than I get paid for. But then other months are more quiet, and I still keep uh, the amount uh, that that uh, of that month. So, but it's something that they suggested, I must say. <laughs> they asked how I would feel to be like paid for a fixed rate. And I said like, okay, it was a nice uh, amount. So mm. I calculated and I said, okay, but I give them a first priority on everything. So that's sometimes at the beginning, it was hard because at the beginning, I thought like, okay, the site is launched. My work will <laughs> be reduced, but it was the opposite. And I was accepting work from other clients, trying to plan in, but I, I did mention to my clients like, okay, this could be, it could be that I, I need a couple of months more because I'm not, I don't know. I can't, I can't predict how much work I'll, I'll get from fab. So I, I, I always openly explain things to, uh, to my clients. So they know that some things can take like way, way long. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, uh, asked for their flexibility on that part. So I remember when, uh, last year I had two major clients throughout the year. I was working for, uh, Accenture, the big uh, consulting company on a project and they were buying me for two weeks every month. And then I was working at Scottish TV up in Glasgow for one week every month. Uh, and I charged them like a flat rate per week. Um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I do kind of hit bits and pieces in, in between, but, um, that basically just left me with, uh, you know, with one week, uh, free that I wasn't working on their, their stuff. It was funny. Whenever I've done this before, whenever somebody says, you know, we've got this long project, it could take, you know, six months or nine months or a year. Uh, they always try to negotiate a lower daily rate or a weekly rate. It's almost like, like bulk buying in the, in the supermarket. It's like if I yeah. buy, if I buy 10 instead of five, can I have a lower price? Um, uh. and I always struggle with this because, I, That's a weird logic. I, no, it's a, a weird logic because I can't see a, a, a reason to discount. It's not like, you know, yeah. it's not like our costs go down just because we've got guaranteed no. work for six months or something like that. You can, you can argue with that and say, Hey, you, you, I have to put exclusive time to you only. So <laughs> it would actually raise the price. Well, you know, I think, of, I think sometimes in, in yeah. my logic. Uh, that was exactly because like with fab it's like that if fab uh, yells like we need you uh, <laughs> i'm there like within a second so something like that so, just to i remember explain years and years and years ago when i was working in you know print and advertising and things like that where uh a client would say you know, we need an ad creating, um, you know, for a, for a magazine or a newspaper, you know, we need it in 24 hours and we would have a rush rate where yeah. we would, you know, if we had to drop everything else, um, and work, right. give client that priority and, yeah. uh, you know, move around the schedule and do things really, really fast, that would cost more. Do you ever, yeah. do you ever do that? I once did that. I have like, that was a couple of years ago that I did, uh, 
<laughs> this is funny, but there were like PowerPoint presentations that I did for a PR manager of cable company, Belgian cable company, Tillinet. And he sometimes called like, I have a presentation next Monday. And he calls like on Thursday. And I have, he has like this rough PowerPoint presentations, like with 50 slides or something. And they look like awful with logos. <laughs> and, uh, and I do that over the weekend. And I have, I, yeah, and I charge for the extra, yeah, the time and the, because it was like really, really fast that they needed. And uh, yeah. Cause we get inquiries. We, we've had several inquiries this week where, um, you know, and these, these have been interesting projects. Nothing, nothing huge, nothing that takes, you know, three months or six months, but interesting small projects. And, you know, I've got back to people and I've said, um, you know, th- these are where our, you know, these are where our prices start. And, um, you know, we're, we're available, um, somewhere between six and eight weeks from now. And every single one of these inquiries has gone, um, uh, no, I need to, I need to start sooner than that. I need to start like next week. And I'm like, what did you expect me just to be sitting here waiting for your phone call? <laughs> I have that it's a lot. Crazy too. thing. And, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel that, you know, yeah, actually, yeah, we could do next week, but it's going to cost you five times <laughs> the normal rent. <laughs> Is that okay? I mean, I've never done it. I've never had, I've never had the stones to do it. I've never said to a client, yeah, that'd be fine. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that landing page would be 10,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. No, me neither. Maybe try that one time. So we've been thinking about using Dribble a lot more for our portfolio than we've done in the past. Um, you've been way busier on Dribble than I have. I am? Yeah. I was thinking like I'm going quiet, la- quiet lately. It's been, uh, I think the last thing I posted was an icon I'm, I've been working on for Fab. But that's like, I think two weeks ago already. I used to be more busier on Dribble, like posting more. But sometimes you can't post things because the client don't want you to reveal anything. So that I have as well. With Fab, for instance, I can't always show what I'm working on right now. So sometimes I do that with some uh, designs that are released already, like for iPhone or iPad. Yeah, we, we're thinking about, we, we signed up for Teams, uh, this week. It was a hundred dollars to, you know, sign up as a company. So that's a bargain, I think. And we're, we're going to start integrating yeah. Dribble, I think, a lot more into our portfolio, showing off where we can anyway, showing yeah. a, a lot of the kind of, you know, the rough work and the sketch work and things like that rather than finished artwork. Mm-hmm. I, I love Dribble. It's, um, <clears throat> sorry. It's nice to have like this feedback from colleagues. You sometimes don't see things that others then see. They pick it up and they say, and then you say, ah, damn, didn't see that. <laughs> sometimes it's something small detail, detail like uh, something that is off two pixels or I don't know, something really less than detail, but really major that you think like, hey, yeah, they are right. It's better if I try this or that or. Yeah, I love this kind of pe- feedback. You really find you get that kind of constructive criticism on Dribble. Yeah. Wow. You, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Has it made a difference to your it business? Do you get work because of Dribble? Oh, that I don't know. Well, yeah, maybe in some emails it might have been like we've seen your work on Dribble. Usually they see my work on my own website or the Duo website. But yeah, I think there must have been like mails, emails that mentioned Dribble as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we haven't done anything. I haven't done really very much at all. I I was there right from the beginning, and I know I just whether it was the work that we were doing or whether I just forgot um, to to post things, but. Um, I'm going to start doing a lot more with it. I think it's a good place to kind of show um, the depth of a project and not just show off the final result. I think that that's, that's what I want to use it for. So let's talk about our second sponsor for this week. Um, and I know that I've talked a lot about Hammer for Mac before. Is this a tool that you use? Have you tried this? Hammer? Hammer, yeah. Mm, 
No, that's wonderful. So. Wonderful. I, I really, really love Hammer. Um, and that's what's so great about the sponsors that tend to get on this show. They're tools that, you know, we use ourselves. Um, and, you know, often conferences that we go to, things like that too. So Hammer for Mac is for people who write HTML. So what does it do? Well, it speeds up your workflow. So this is how Hammer compiles SAS and CoffeeScript as well. Although I don't really know what that is. And Xcode as well? Uh, right? No, not, no? no, not Xcode. No? It's, it's oh, mainly okay. for kind of front end languages. And, you know, I know that there are plenty of ways and other tools that compile SAS, for example, but Hammer's just getting started there. The way it works is that Hammer takes your production files, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and it compiles them into a build folder inside your project. So when you're writing HTML, you can keep your development files really, really clean by using things like HTML includes, which are they're a bit like PHP includes, but they're just straight HTML. And I use those for, you know, all the repeated stuff that goes on lots of different templates, header, footer, navigation, you know, all that usual stuff. Hammer's got clever paths built in too, so you don't have to write the full path to an image or a script or a style sheet. You just write the file name, and then Hammer goes and finds those files automatically when it compiles, and it it writes in the full path to your HTML pages. It's it's amazing. It saves me so much time. I've been using Hammer for Mac right since the beta, and I really, really love it. I can't imagine doing a project without it. We've just started doing a, a stuff and nonsense redesign. The first thing I did was to create a Hammer project. There's a free trial available, but seriously, if you write HTML, just buy yourself the full copy. You won't regret it. It's 16 pounds, 16 of our English pounds, 99, um, or $23.99 uh, in the Mac App Store. I don't know what the euro price is. Probably about the same as the dollar price. No, probably about the same as a euro price. Who knows? I don't know. Find out more at hammerformac.com slash unfinished. So it's like an application, like a bit like CodeKit. Do you know yeah, CodeKit? It's, it's, it's yeah, of that I've, ilk. I've used CodeKit before. So. Yeah, it's it's of that ilk. but It, it also compiles. Yeah. It, it does more. Okay. Um, and have to check it out. You know, I, I, it, it's made by Riot uh which is a, a small software development company. They they have amazing designers down there, um, but they're just a small development company down in the south of England. And I just think it's really important to support guys like that. Yeah, you know, it's we're all just kind of trying to make a living, and you know, I'd much rather give my money to a small development company, small software developers, than I would to you know some big company. Yeah, that's why I also. Well, not why, not the big why, but also why <laughs> I always use uh, Espresso because it's uh, someone from my own country, just one single person who uh, develops uh, and try to make, make a living from it. So, well, I know that yeah, lots of... I know what you mean. <laughs> I know that lots of people have been talking about, you know, Sublime Text 2 and things like that. I still use Espresso. Um, you know, I really like it as an application, but I also really like it because you designed the splash screen. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was the reason I think I bought it in the first place. Oh, wow. I'm flattered. <laughs> I like the interface a lot and I, yeah, I like working with it. So yeah, it's, I, I can't imagine really needing another text editor. You know, it does everything that I need it to do. So we've got uh, a stuff and nonsense redesign planned for November. Um, and one of the things that we've decided to do. Um, is to basically shut our doors for two whole weeks in November. We're going to turn off email, we're going to turn off the phone, and we're just going to work on our own site for two weeks. Um, ah, that's amazing. You know, I can't, Something I should do. I can't wait. Cause we, you know, I designed, I redid, did a redesign last year. Um, but it was a real rush job. You know, I, I did the whole thing in a week, mostly when I was on holiday. Um, and we've changed it a little bit since, but, one of the things that I really want to get better in the new site is that initial kind of client interview brief document. You know, that thing that we ask clients about, you know, when they make that first inquiry. Because we've got, 
we've got a really crappy form on there right now. <laughs> it's just like two, it's two fields and it just, it, it wants a budget and it just asks for some details. That's all it says. I mean, how much Vega can you get? <laughs> so you, I noticed, I was looking at your site the other day. Um, and a lot of other people I know, you ask people to download and fill in a questionnaire. So I'd like to talk about how that works for you, because this might be something that we do on the new site. Do you, do you find that people fill it in automatically and then email it before they get in touch? Or do you, do you still get e people sending you vague emails saying, you know, how much for a website? And then you have to get them to the questionnaire and ask them to fill it in. How does it work for you? I used to have that, like uh, that people email me and then I have to point to the, them to the questionnaire. But it, uh, it's it's uh, less than it used to be. <laughs> so people usually fill in the questionnaire. But yeah, still the questionnaire needs like a little update. I have to look at it actually again and update it like to include more like for iPhone or iPad app design. It's more focused now, now on either logo design or website design. So I have like two questionnaires and so it's, it's, it's helpful definitely, but there's still yeah, a bit, little bit lacking, uh, info and, uh, but it helps a lot. So you immediately see if they have, they have like a timing or deadline. Also the budget, it indicates, uh, it gives an indication if, if the project is like, yeah, doable or not. People might find that difficult to enter, but even even though if they have no idea how much a website costs, if they have like a budget of 2000 or something, 2000 euros, you know immediately that you can't do much for, for that kind of budget. So it helps filtering <laughs> the projects that are valuable to look into and the ones that are, yeah, dismissible. <laughs> so. I've been wondering about whether or not to do a download form because, you know, if you do it for download, it can't just be a PDF, maybe. Um, and I, I, I don't, I hate Word documents. I never put, want to put a, another Word document on the web. So I was thinking, do I, do I do a downloadable document or do I make some kind of web form? And then it's like, I'm kind of putting this barrier. You know, I want to start having a conversation with a client because, you know, that's when the interesting things come out. So I don't really want to make them fill in, you know, 20, 30 questions <laughs> before they even get a chance to speak to us. Cause that's, it's not part of the, you know, it's not a great part of the experience. I don't think. Yeah. That's a bit of, yeah, a balance that you need to find. Yeah. I'm just tossing up whether or not a, an online form, a web form is, is better than, than the download. Uh, maybe you should have like a web form and have it with, I don't know, collapsible, <laughs> uh, parts like, if they enter a, an answer for one question, the second question reveals. So that it's like when they come to the page that it's not overwhelming and they see like five basic questions, for example, and then they enter an answer for the first question and depending on the answer, maybe with radio buttons or check button boxes that they can check on or off, another more detailed question reveals I don't know. That's, and they can. That sounds great, but it sounds like way too complicated for me to build. <laughs> it's complicated. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm rubbish. I always enter, I always ask or, or, or mention, uh, that they aren't obligated to reply to all the questions. Just fill out that you are comfort comfortable with. That's what I also add in the questionnaire. So I give them like freedom because sometimes they don't know the answer to certain questions. But I do, I do ask for a budget. <laughs> I noticed because that. Because I often wasted like too much time, like com with communication back and forth. And then all of a sudden they say the budget is this. Can you do it for this? And it's like, oh, no, sorry. That's, that's something that, that I struggle with. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't gone to the extent of saying, you know, we won't reply. 
without a budget, but I have put in our crappy web form, I have put some placeholder text in there, which says, you know, in the budget field, it says, e.g. £15,000. And then it only occurred to me the other day, I should have realized this before, but I'm thinking people that use older versions of Internet Explorer are not going to see that help text. And maybe maybe they're the ones that are sending the £2,000 inquiries. (laughs) Yeah. It could, could, be. could possibly be, be the one. But, you know, genuinely though, I think it's very hard for people sometimes to, um, to really know how much things cost. I mean, you know, I hire illustrators. I've just hired Josh Cleland again to do some new, uh, artwork. He was on the show last week. Um, and I had a rough idea as to how much I thought that it would cost because, you know, I've worked with Josh before and I've bought similar work before. But for a lot of people, they have no frame of reference to know how much a site's going to cost or a project's going to be. Yeah. So it's really hard for people to to know. So when more, I don't know, what do they put down? Did you base your questions? Did you base your questions on um, something that you've seen other people do, or did you just did did you make it up from scratch? I think I, it's been a long time, but I think I have seen some questions from elsewhere and I mixed in my own and what I found important. There might have been like a few that are inspired on other questionnaires, yeah. I can't remember, but somebody, somebody um, compiled, maybe it was a blog post that they wrote, I need to look this up. Um, where they downloaded lots of people's questionnaire forms, you know, the happy cog form and the clear left form and, you know, these others. Um, I haven't done that. I haven't done any research at all into what people ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think about what I need to know, actually, like what is important. You ask a lot of design questions as well as business questions though in your questionnaire. Cuz I was looking here, you've got um you know describe the site's desired look and feel. Um you know and to the best of your ability try to describe the users of your site. Do you do you need that information to provide them with a with an estimate? No. No, no that's why I I always mention like that they don't have to answer all the questions because I, I realize it's like a lot of work to do. But uh, no, I don't need that particularly. Um, I could, of course, like divide, uh, make a division between two types of questionnaires and have like one that is like, okay, after the quote is sent and it's been approved by the client, I send in another questionnaire, which would include that question about the target audience and the design style or whatever. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And, and keep just the basic questions that you really need to calculate an estimate. That's what I was wondering because I thought we, we often have client interviews and you know, meetings where we kick off a project. And if we're starting, you know, a new branding project, which we're going to do in a couple of weeks, you know, we'll, we'll have questions that we want to ask about that particular part of the project. But I was just curious. I was just curious why you had those things in, you know, in the kind of the, Mm -hmm. I suppose it shows whether somebody's really thought about what they want or not, or whether they're just kind of, yeah, how much is the website? Yeah. Also, also, it makes like, it gives you an idea, like, whether they went through the effort or not, and whether they are really willing to work with me or not, or for us or not. <laughs> like for the logo design questionnaire, they're too detailed already. It's actually, if, if people complete that questionnaire and uh, the logo, uh, the quote is, is, is approved, then I have already a lot of answers to get started. So 
that that one is actually maybe a bit too far and the, the one for the website actually too there are a few questions that or or needed to be answered to for me to be able to calculate my estimate so yeah i'm just looking at an email that we had through i think it was yesterday or the day before um and uh, I always reply. I never don't reply to, you know, an inquiry, even if it's yeah, something that's too. very short. I, f- I feel quite strongly that if somebody's taken the time, then, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to reply. But this one particular email here, I'm just reading it out. It says, um, this is my website. I'm not going to say what the website is. Um, can you give me some ideas as to how you would make it more user friendly and interactive? okay (laughs) yeah let's yeah let's let's start off right there it's an open question it's yeah incredibly so i think i wrote (laughs) back to the guy and said you know well actually could you tell us you know maybe what problems users had experienced and you know have you done any have have you actually done any talking to the people that use your site but it's it's a very tricky one we talk about it quite a lot on on this podcast because Getting the... and then you go back and forth. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't mind that. You know, so, so sometimes, um, you know, sometimes email drifts and, you know, I might not reply yeah. to somebody for three or four days. Um, yeah, me too. I know what you which, mean. Which, which makes me feel, I do feel a little bit guilty about that. And occasionally yeah, I'll get back to somebody too. and I'll say, sorry, I've been really busy this last few days. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm repeating myself too much if I do that. They probably say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard that before. <laughs> but then, but so, sometimes you'll get people to go, yeah, that's no problem because they didn't expect to reply. And then sometimes you get people to go, oh no, you were too late. I, I dealt with it on the first day. And it's like, Okay. (laughs) But you also can sense a lot of things from the email, the tone, they approach you. Uh, That's something, that's also a filter or a factor for me, whether to go, you know, further or not. But I always answer, like you say, sometimes I have people like, uh, I have a new project. When can we chat? Like very direct. (laughs) I don't know. Who it is, or they hardly uh, mention a company name. It's some Gmail ad- address. <laughs> no, see, I always, so. I, I put a lot of, um, <clears throat> I put a lot of weight on people that provide you with proper contact information. Um, yeah, me too. People get bonus points if they use my name. Yeah, um, and if they, not like hi there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if they mention Sue's name, we had an inquiry through this week um, on a project that I'd really, really like to do, um, and it was you know hi Andy and Sue and yeah, blah, blah, blah. we had that too. And yeah. you think okay, so somebody's done their research. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I I think that they're going to be you know that they would treat us with respect, and you know, obviously we mm-hmm. treat them with respect. But I like that. I've, I've me too. It makes you smile when you get an inquiry from somebody that, that you think this is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So we should wrap it up, really. Um, it's, it's, it's been far too long since I've seen you. Time flies. It does. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not far. It's really not. I should just like get on a ferry and come over. I, I've never been to Belgium. You never have. I've, I've been through it on. I've been, been through it on the way to Holland. <laughs> That's the only time I think I've been to. I've been to Belgium. Is is driving through it. Yeah, a lot of people have, <laughs> either by train or flew over it by plane. But we should we should <laughs> we do this because you you two are my favourite Belgians. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Tim Van Dam. He never listens to the show. Tim Van Dama, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't listen to this show, so he's half Belgian. <laughs> he's he's not my favourite anymore. Yeah. I have oh. I have this I have this code Easter egg. I don't know whether you've seen this, but in all of my site projects, I always have a hidden. Uh, well, not not so hidden. I always have a, a class attribute, usually on the footer, mm-hmm. and it's a class of I hate Tim Van Dam. Oh really? No, oh, but it's, it's this has been going on for years. Because, you know, and he's such a nice he's, guy. He's, he's such a nice guy and he's so talented. Um, yeah. and I think one day, I think it was when he did his CSS animations thing and it just, I thought, oh, you, you make me sick. You're so clever. So <laughs> I just started to put in this kind of, I hate Tim Van Damme. I hate Tim Van Damme thing. Yeah. And I, every week, more or less every week, I get an email from somebody that's used a, or looked at my code and they go, do you really hate Tim Van Damme? <laughs> and they ask. <laughs> 
That's funny. No, we need. I need to see you. I need to come over and see you. Don't expect me to yeah, ride a bike that'd be though. Nice. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I never force anyone to ride bike. I invite them, but <laughs> I encourage them. I think I'd look terrible in no. a cycle helmet too. <laughs> and I need one. I would need to wear one because I fall off everything. It's it's recommended. Yeah, <laughs> I always wear the helmet. <laughs> So you can find the links that we mentioned in this episode, such as they were, um, in our show notes. You'll get those at unfinished.bz slash 42. That's the number 42. You can follow Vela. What are you? You're at V Peters. Peters, yeah. P-I-E-T-E-R-S. <laughs> A mistake, a beginner's mistake with the social media. I should have registered under at Vela or at Vela Peters. <laughs> That would have been better. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm at Malarkey. And to suggest topics and ask questions, you can message the show on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ, or you can email me, he has at UnfinishedBZ. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Hammer for Mac and Perch. You can support the show by supporting them. Thanks, Vila. Thank you, Andy. See you I'm soon. I'm really honoured that you wanted me on the show. No, it's been Thanks a pleasure. So Will you come on again at some point? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. See you soon. Of course. Yeah, see you soon. Bye.